Every day, during this great and terrible pause, Coot Street is spending ten minutes or so with readers and book lovers from around the world, asking them what they're reading and what they'd recommend to anyone with a bit of time on their hands. Today I'm spending ten minutes or so with the Nebula and Locus award-winning author of The Black God's Drums, The Haunting of Tramcar 15, and Ring Shout P. Jelly Clark, who joins me from the wa- no, I'm not, I was gonna say The Waste of Darkest Mortar, but that's not really quite fair, who joins me from New York City. Hello, Jelly. Hello, how are you doing? I'm fairly well, fairly well, you know, sort of crazy times. How are you? Is everything reasonable in your neck of the woods? As reasonable as one can be during a global pandemic and social revolution, you know, (laughs) (laughs) as stable as one can be. Are you finding that with all of the amazing amount of noise, I mean, mental noise, news noise, physical noise that's happening in the world right now that you're able to focus and concentrate, read, write, work, that kind of thing? You know, sometimes it's both an inspiration at times and also escape. Sometimes uh, it's just good to shut off, for instance, social media, Twitter and those things and just kind of escape into something else. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we're here to talk about what you're reading and so on. So let me kick off the conversation by asking exactly that. What have you been reading lately? And critically, is it any good? Uh, yeah, the stuff I'm reading is, is pretty good. <laughs> so <laughs> let me see. Uh, I'm going to name a few things, actually, yep. uh, because I just finished uh, Justina Ireland's uh, Deathless Divide, which is the book two of her uh, work, Dread Nation. And that was that that was all the things you want a second book to be. You know, it, it pulls a lot on the first and it gets even better. So that was pretty good. Um, I am reading uh, Tochi Onyebuchi's uh, Riot Baby, which is just perfect for this time. <laughs> so uh, it's just a book that fits right now. Um, I am also reading at this moment, uh, I'm getting a, a, a peek, a preview of Alex Harrow's uh, The Once and Future Witches which I'm enjoying immensely. I'm just tearing through that book. Uh, and lastly, what is like sitting here, it's been on my desk forever. I love the cover and I'm finally mm-hmm. getting a chance. It's, it's like the book that I'm eager to pick up is uh, Nikki Drayden's The Prey of Gods. Excellent. So yeah, I've got, I've got a few things on my, uh, on my plate. I have to say, I have read the Alex Harrow book and uh, I loved it as well. It was, yeah. I'm I'm 70% in and I'm just tearing through it, yeah. Well, someone asked me for a description of it and I said, it's basically the wild pagan sister of 10,000 Doors of January. It's this big, big book and I loved it. Just loved it. And and the prose is just as great. It is. And I thought that, I mean, you're right. I mean, in January, Toshi's book looked like a buzz book that was really interesting and had some real power to it. And now it looks like a story of the time all of a sudden. It does. Really Even uncanny. though it's written before the time, which I guess says something about these issues ongoing. Yes. Right? Very, uh, very much. It's long before everything that's happening now. Yeah. Well, l- let me ask you then, if you're reading these books, and they're wonderful, what would you recommend people turn to in a time like this to read? Is it a time for comfort reading, a time for... Um, challenging reads? Is there stuff that when you look back at your own reading that you turn to to reread at times like this? Yeah, I think I think sometimes it's a bit of both. Yeah. Um, I think 
sometimes you, you, you want something that speaks to the moment. Maybe you want to go back and do what I call the classics, the Octavia Butlers. Mm-hmm. That's right. Stories that really uh, may speak um, greatly to this moment. And then sometimes I, I don't mind reading two, three books at once, as you can see. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. you you may want to go somewhere else. You, you need to you need to shut down for a minute and you need to find something that, you know, just allows you to imagine an escape. And I think it's perfectly fine to balance both. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, uh, these are busy, crazy times and it is, it can be hard to read. Certainly a lot of the other writers that I've spoken to have alternately sort of struggled or flourished. But let me Mm -hmm. ask you this, what have you out in the world at the moment that readers can look at? What do you have coming up? So out in the world uh, right now, yeah. um, if you want something a bit, <laughs> a bit uh, fun and whimsical, I have uh, the award-nominated "The Haunting of Tramcar 015, uh, which came out. Um, oh wow, what a year! It's been out a year now, uh, yeah. and it is basically set in the same world as my novelette "A Dead Gin in Cairo." So it's an alternate uh, steampunk. Uh, Cairo in 1912, uh, filled with investigators, magic, and gin, right? And there's some politics in there, certainly, but it's also meant to be enjoyable. Um, Coming up, I have, in October, I have another novella out uh, from Tor.com called Ring Shout. Uh, This is set in a 1920s, 1920s America. It is looking at the rise of the second clan, that is the second Ku Klux Klan, uh, a movie called Birth of a Nation, and it is filled with monsters, as well as a heroine with a magic sword. So that one may be a little bit heavier, uh, but I assure folks, it's also enjoyable. It's It sounds actually intriguing and in its own way, a lot of fun. Let me yeah. ask you this. It sounds like you're drawn to building history into what you write. Is that a strong attraction for you as a storyteller? Yeah, um, I guess part of it is that I'm a historian. It's my, I call it my day job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm an academic historian. And so um, I, I don't even know if it was an intentional, especially with steampunk, where you're often looking at forms of alternate history. Uh, maybe it just became inevitable that I would do so, right, uh, within my writings. So I have to say that I was raised much more on expansive uh, secondary world fantasies, sure. and that's actually still my first love, even though I haven't gotten to put that out into the world yet <laughs> in a larger <laughs> format. Uh, I, I'm As much as I also love tinkering with history, I like creating completely different worlds uh, separate from our own, and I like reading about those as well. So, so where did you start as a reader? What were the, the the stories that filled you with passion for for the for the genre for telling tales? Yeah, I mean, you know, I started off. If I go back to my earliest days, I was a token fan. I was, you know, I read The Hobbit <laughs> like anyone else. Um, I don't know if I thought of being a writer then, even though I went on. I think mostly I read was a ton of fantasy. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I guess the books that really made me think perhaps I can be, a, I can also take my hand at this was actually stepping into different genres, reading books like by Tananarive Dew, yeah. 
and others, especially seeing uh, black authors, which I hadn't seen a great deal of when I was younger. Yeah. Um, they were there. Uh, they just weren't as advertised. <laughs> and so really seeing, you know, writers like Octavia Butler and Tannery of Dew and others and seeing the work that they did, people like Mabel Hopkinson, uh, made me really think, hey, perhaps I can try my hand at this as well. And then much more modern writers like uh, N.K. Jemison, for instance, was just a great influence on making me, I guess, forcing me to imagine greater than I had before. As a reader, do you feel that over the last five years, the awareness and interest in black voices in science fiction and fantasy has changed at all? Yes. I think you've certainly seen a growth that was not there before. I have even um, questioned whether um, the works that I'm writing now could have come out, let's say, 10 years ago, right? That yeah. a story like the Black God's Drums would have even been picked up. And a lot of this has to do with um, seeing more diversity behind the scenes. Yeah. Right. It was uh, an editor at Tor, uh, Diana Poe at the time, who actually took a chance on, you know, a story called Dead Jin in Cairo and then yeah. said, hey, something else. And I said, well, I have this other story I've written since 2012, 2013 called the Black God's Drums. And, you know, she took a chance on them. And I, I don't know that, people would have been willing to take that chance earlier on. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean there's not a long way to go. <laughs> there's <laughs> oh, yeah. a lot of work done when you simply look at the percentage yeah. of, uh, of, of writers of color, especially black writers being published. It's still fairly low. Um, but yeah, I, at the same time, um, there have been strides. And we'll see if this continues or not, right? I don't know what the future is going to hold. I, I certainly hope so and, and expect so. Let me ask as well before I, I sign off, will we see something longer from you in the future? Uh, yes. It seems that my uh, first full feature novel um, is set in the same world as A Dead Gen in Cairo and uh, The Haunting of Tramcar 015. It's called A Master of Jin, and it is supposed to be out in 2021. I am really looking forward to reading it. But Thank for, you. But for now, um, The Black God's Drums and The Haunting of Tramcar Tram 15 are in good, bad, and even mediocre bookstores everywhere. Ring Shout will be out in October. And I just want to say, P. Jelly Clark, thank you so very much for making time to talk to me today. I genuinely appreciate it. Thank you very much, Jonathan, for having me on.